Uh, Wayne has been, and I appreciate um, over the years, a great friend to me. Uh, he has helped me uh, always just a text message away when I have a quick little question or conversation. He's given me great insight and wisdom uh, that I have so appreciated. Wayne and Tracy uh, began pastoring uh, what was then, I believe, the New Whiteland Christian Center. Is that right? In 1997, on May 4th, their first Sunday, uh, they had 26 people in attendance. I had 11 when I went to Morocco, so you had more than twice as many as I had. 26 his first Sunday, but the church very quickly grew. Actually, by their first Easter Sunday the next year, uh, they were averaging, or they had 153 in attendance. Today, 24 uh, years later, Grace Assembly in Greenwood uh, is one of the largest and strongest churches in our district and really in our fellowship nationwide. Um, Wayne has led his congregation uh, to be perennially one of the leading givers to world missions and to speed the light not only in our district but across our national fellowship as well. He has served in district roles and national roles and uh, everywhere he has served, the people that he serves with know that he brings great value to the table. Uh, through multiple building projects, uh, the church in Greenwood uh, is now a congregation, and I didn't really ask you, but I know it's over 1,200. Um, it's right around 1,200, all right? Um, I know pre-COVID it was, and um, great and very strong church. Wayne is humble, uh, very smart, very wise. He's a godly leader, not only to his congregation, but to many of his peers, and I know we appreciate that. Great, Wayne was also gracious enough to have his team record this message for our guys uh, in Hartford City and Dunkirk so that we could all be hearing the same missions challenge today. So they will be hearing this same message today. Uh, Wayne is a graduate of Central Bible College. He and Tracy have two sons. And I have been excited about this day for many months, and I'm so honored that you're here. Would you help me welcome Wayne Murray as he comes to share the word? All right. Good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you today. You came out in the cold and the rain. Praise God. Hey, I just want to say right off the bat, uh, when Pastor Kevin wears that ugly tie, can somebody please post that on social media? I'd like to share that. Can, can anybody help me with that? Let's make sure that gets seen by as many people as possible. I just think that's of the Lord right there. So anyway, I, I want to say thank you to Pastor Kevin and Sheila for inviting uh, Tracy and I to come and share with you today. I, I, I'm going to tell you that, first of all, let me just say you are extremely blessed to have them as your pastors. They are the best of the best. Yeah, really, really. You know, you know, great pastors are hard to come by these days and they are one of the best. They love the Lord, they love you, they love the church of Jesus Christ. They are strong, they have integrity. You can follow them anywhere. 
What a blessing you have here. And so I want to say a big shout out to David and Norma Hamilton, always taking care of Hartford City. Uh, I was a camper there. I was a youth pastor there. God called me to ministry, ministry there. I just love you guys. Thank you so much for your life and legacy. And Pastor Ty, we're so excited about what God's doing there on Muncie Northside. We, we're just excited about that. And so uh, God's going to do some good things. All right. So today I get to talk to you about one of my favorite subjects, missions, people, lost people. And dare I say, today I get to talk to you about one of God's favorite subjects, missions, people, lost people. So here in a few moments, I believe today is the day that a lot of you are gonna make a decision about what you're going to give uh, to Kingdom Builders uh, in the next months or year and in your opportunity to reach your community, uh, to reach the world for Jesus Christ. And, and it, 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 it shouldn't be lost on us today that what happens today uh, will have a direct impact on who's in heaven and who's not. Now you say, well, that's starting out pretty heavy, Pastor. Yeah, it's a burden that what we do today, how we respond today, it will have a direct impact that will there be more people in heaven? And I don't know about you, but I want more people in heaven. And how many know God wants more people in heaven? And so today I wanna answer the question uh, or explain to you why I am a kingdom builder why I am a kingdom builder, a kingdom builder, and I'm hoping uh, that you will decide to be a kingdom builder as well. Now, first of all, the, the reason that I am a kingdom builder is I believe in the heart of God. I believe in the heart of God. You see, because God loves people. And the only, the best way to know that is to look at the Bible, right? And really all we have to do is look at the cross on which Jesus died. When you behold the cross, the death, the violence, the suffering, the pain that he chose to go through, why did he do all of that? He did that because of lost people. Because God is not willing that one person should perish, but he wants everybody to have repentance through Jesus Christ. That is a picture of the heart of God, probably the most powerful, important picture of the love of God for lost people. To get another picture of God's heart for lost people, you could go to Luke chapter 15, and there are the three parables of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, right? And, and all three of those stories paint this picture of a God who searches, 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 for lost people, who's willing to leave the 99 and go after the one because every soul matters. But I'm gonna show you maybe a, a different picture about the heart of God for people that uh, I, know, I know your, your pastor has spoken to you about uh, in Mark chapter 11. But let's look at Mark chapter 11, verse 15. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Mark chapter 11 and verse 15, and so what happens, the Bible says when they arrived in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began to drive out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those selling doves. 
Now that's not very nice. Jesus shows up to church and starts throwing stuff around. Now that's not the Jesus we think about too often, but he was pretty upset. And the Bible says he wouldn't allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And then Jesus began to teach them. So after, after all of this happens, he says, okay guys, I got something to say. And this is what he said. Is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. So what is it that made Jesus so mad? I think historically we've preached this, well, because the house of God is supposed to be a house of prayer. And clearly they weren't praying, they were buying and selling things. And sometimes I think we've mistakenly said, well, that means you can't sell coffee in the foyer. No, no, that's not what it means at all. Because what Jesus is saying is, my house is a house of prayer, and I think we forget the last part of that phrase, for all nations. Everybody say nations. My house, Jesus said, is a house for the nations. And that's why he got upset. That's why Jesus was so frustrated. Uh, He was visibly upset. He was violently upset because the business of the church had become about something other than people coming to God. He got really frustrated in the fact that people have forgotten the purpose of the temple in the first place. Now, I think in, in order for us to fully grasp what was going on here, uh, we need to understand a little bit more about the temple in the Old Testament. I think we've got a picture to show you here because when God gave David the instructions for building the temple, there were detailed instructions uh, to make a place for the Gentiles. And of course, we all know that Gentiles are any non-Jewish people. Now, I know some people think that God uh, saved Israel or God called Abraham out uh, because God was only interested in the salvation of Israel. But in fact, the reason that God called Abraham out and created the nation of Israel, Isaiah 49 verse 6 says, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles so that my salvation can go only to certain people. Is that what it says? No, because God wants his salvation to go where? All the nations. So God had created the temple in the Old Testament in such a way that all nations should come to worship him. Not just the Israelites, not just the Jewish people. Why? Because God has always been a God of the nations. God has always wanted everybody to come. And by the way, when we all get to heaven, the Bible says there will be a throng, a a number that is greater than any man can number of every tribe and every nation and every tongue. Somebody say amen. Amen. Isaiah 56, verse 7. These foreigners I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer, would you say it with me, for all nations. 
And so this court of the Gentiles in the temple is where Jesus takes this cord and turns over the tables and creates this, this scene uh, uh, there. And, and the reason that Jesus is doing that is because he's upset, he's frustrated because they don't understand his heart. They don't even understand the very purpose of the temple. They don't even understand the very purpose of the house of God. It's for the nations. It's for all people to come to know Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, I know it's easy for us to judge people harshly in Mark chapter 11. Say, man, well, those people, they just messed up. They didn't know what they were doing. They, they just really were all twisted around. But can I tell you, anytime a church's primary purpose becomes about something other than worshiping God and reaching lost people, then we too frustrate the heart of God. Anytime the church of Jesus Christ becomes about everything other than those two things, can I tell you that we have missed the heart of God. Why? Because God's heart is for lost people, both here in your community and all around the world. This is what God's heart is consumed by. This is what God thinks about every day, this blazing passion for the nations to come to know Jesus. That's what he wants. That's, that's his heart. That's, that's his desire. And that's what God wants for us. And I'm a kingdom builder today because I believe in that heart, that heart of God. That the, and can I tell you that the closer that you get to the heart of God, the more you'll wanna be a, a kingdom builder, the more you'll wanna be involved and get involved in people coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I wish somebody would say amen. Now, I've had the privilege uh, a few years ago to serve on the board of Assemblies of God World Missions. And, and, and I was able to do that for four years. Now, one of the great privileges that I had uh, while I served on that board was interviewing career missionaries as they were uh, going through the process of being approved to be missionaries with the Assemblies of God. And can I tell you, there were some amazing stories that were shared in those interview rooms as people came to go to, you know, from all parts of the country going to all parts of the world. I heard stories and I met people, uh, even people older than me, who were leaving their kids and their grandkids at that stage of life to go reach people on the other side of the world. Now, now you, some of you understand leaving your kids is one thing, but leaving your grandkids? <laughs> Can you think about that? And yet the call of God, the heart of God, the passion for lost people superseded all of that. I met people who were very successful in careers, giving up those careers to go to the farthest corners of the earth to reach lost people. I met single young women who were willing to go to some of the most dangerous places in the world so that people, unreached people, could come to know Jesus. How does that happen? It happens because people have gotten the heart of God. They've gotten the passion for lost people. It causes us to do things. It causes us to do amazing things. It causes us to make sacrifices. It causes us to obey. One young couple I met uh, in one of those interviews uh, was going to a city in Iraq that had been bombed out and burned out by years and years of war. And so they were sharing in, in this room and as they were being interviewed, and, and remember, I'm surrounded by some pastors, but mostly by veteran missionaries who are part of this leadership team. 
And they're talking back and forth because part of the budget for this couple, probably in their 30s, they had four young children, all under the age of 10. Part of the budget they had to raise was to pay for security for their kids whenever they left their house to go to school or go wherever. And the reason is, is because at that particular time in Iraq, kids, especially kids from the West, were being kidnapped and held for ransom. Many of them, unspeakable things were being done to them. Imagine putting your kid in a vehicle with a driver who has an AK-47 in the vehicle with them to protect them. How do you do that? How do you make that kind of sacrifice? You do it when you have the heart of God for lost people. I was in Dubai a few months ago, and uh, we met a lot of people, a lot of different missionaries and workers in the Arab world, reaching unreached people groups. And one particular couple that I met, again, young couple, early 30s, they had three kids, and they were telling the story. We were eating dinner together, and this amazing couple, full of life, full of energy, full of just, just passion for Jesus, and, and we, were, we were talking about the heat. <laughs> you know, uh, we walked, by the way, in Dubai, it's desert. We walked out of the airport. You know, imagine a hair, hair dryer just blowing in your face. That's what it felt like. And so in this part, in parts of Iraq where they served, it would get to 135 degrees. They said when we uh, unloaded our stuff, we had our stuff in rubber-made containers. Uh, we were unloading them from the truck. We set them down on the ground. And before we got everything unloaded, the rubber-made containers had melted. And then we start, I started asking them about their kids. And again, they had three young children under the age of 10. And, and they were saying, yeah, you know, uh, the first few weeks that we would put our kids to bed to the sound of gunfire outside the window. Now, they weren't, they weren't fretting about their kids. They were excited about the opportunity to reach people. How do you do that? You do that when you get the heart of God. Because God's not willing that any should perish. So my prayer today is that all of us will get the heart of God. The same heart that Jesus showed in that temple. Because he wants his house to be a house of prayer for all nations. Amen, everybody? Here, let me give you a second reason why I'm a kingdom builder. And that is because I'm grateful for my own salvation. I'm grateful that I'm in church today. I'm grateful that I got to worship today with you all. By the way, awesome worship. I love that everything is done in this place with excellence. I think God is pleased with that. Great, great job, everybody. It was amazing. But I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I'm glad I, I don't have to worry about if when I die, if I go to heaven, if I'm going to go to heaven or go to hell. I know I'm going to heaven because I've placed my trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not because of any works that I have done. It's not anything that I've earned. It's because of grace, amazing grace, 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 grace. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And that, but that gratitude for salvation is why I'm a kingdom builder. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 14, he says, I'm debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you also who are at Rome. Paul is saying here, I'm so grateful for what God has done in my life 
that I owe this gospel to everybody who hasn't heard it yet. Now, if we were to update, if Paul were writing this verse in 2021, or if we were to insert ourselves into this verse, I think it might go like something like this. Uh, I, in gratitude to God for my own salvation, anybody grateful to be saved today, raise your hand. So in gratitude to God for my own salvation, then I am obligated to the Aborigines in Australia and the secular Jew in Israel. I'm obligated to the Maasai tribe in West Africa and the Kurdish people in Iraq. I'm obligated to the Emiratis in Saudi Arabia and the Uyghur Muslims in China. I'm obligated to the Sikhs who live in India and those who live right here in central Indiana. I owe the gospel to the homeless people in Indianapolis and the people who are far from God in Muncie and Dunkirk and Hartford City. Now you and I are incredibly privileged today, are we not? We live in the greatest nation in the world, the United States of America. And we have free access to the gospel 24-7. Our streets are filled with gospel preaching churches, thank God. The gospel is on TV, the gospel is on the radio, the gospel is on the internet. I have traveled to places where you can't access the Bible or anything godly on the internet. I've been to those places. But what if you were born in a nation that had no or little access to the greatest message of all time? What if you didn't live in Muncie, Indiana? What if you were born in Northern Africa, whose population is so dominantly Muslim that the majority of them will never meet another Christian in their lifetime? That's hard to fathom. Did you know there are 7,400 unreached people groups in the world? That means they have little or no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1.5 billion people unreached. That's one in five people in the world who do not yet have opportunity to hear the greatest message of all time. Let's be honest, if you live in America, you have won the spiritual lottery because there is access to the gospel 24-7. And, and, and if we're honest, part of the problem is we've got so much access to it, we kind of take it for granted. And we forget that there are many people who have never heard it, which is why David Platt said it this way, every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. Let me give you another reason I'm a kingdom builder, all right? And here's the reason, is because I reap what I sow. I reap what I sow. Now, about 20 years ago, uh, Tracy and I were were pastors there in Greenwood, and and our church had begun to grow, and and God was doing some good things. And and so I went to uh, Tommy Barnett's pastor school in Phoenix, Arizona. And so he was giving this vision at this event uh, for building the Los Angeles Dream Center. Some of you have heard about the Los Angeles Dream Center. So they were taking the Queen of Angels Hospital 
and turning it into a 24-7 ministry center. There was a floor for homeless veterans. There was going to be a floor for AIDS patients who were dying. There was a floor for prostitutes who were being rescued off the street. There was a floor for uh, drug addicts to be discipled and to be saved. It was this amazing thing, this vision that God had given to Pastor Barnett. And so he was asking the pastors who were there to pray about, about giving toward this project and make, helping to make it happen. And so as I prayed uh, there in that moment, I felt like the Lord said, uh, when you... Grace in Greenwood needs to give $50,000 to the LA Dream Center. And I remember thinking in my heart, what? How much? At that time, we were a church of a few hundred people, and I'm like, we've never made a commitment like that before. We've obviously never received an offering like that before. And then, so I, I go back to, uh, come back to Indiana after that trip, and, and I'm just kind of talking to Jesus. I'm like, I'm going to hold on to this for a minute, and you, God, you're going to have to tell me the right time to tell our church what I've done. Excuse me, what you told me to do. So I waited till about, that was February, I waited till about July. How many know the middle of July is not the time to take a missions offering? But I felt like that was the time God told me to, to share the vision. So, so in one of the Sunday services, I get up and I share this vision, you know, everything that I just told you about the LA Dream Center, and I shared this verse from Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. The Bible says, kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord, and he will repay the lender. Wow. So I was sharing the vision, and, as, and I, at, toward the end of the service, toward the end of the message, I said, uh, I want everybody to pray this week about an offering to the LA Dream Center. Uh, and by the way, $50,000. It was pretty quiet when I said that. Uh, but I want you to pray, and I want you to bring an offering next week. Well, something happened in that moment as I was finishing up. I was standing behind a pulpit a lot like this. A lady in our church, while I'm still speaking, a lady in our church, older lady, who had to walk forward, assisted by a cane, uh, walks down the aisle. She interrupted the service. Can you believe that? And she had a check in her hand. And she walked up. She laid it in front of the pulpit. And what happened next, the only way I can explain it became a holy moment because after she did that another lady did too and then other people started to come spontaneously and pretty soon there was a line of three and four and five people waiting to lay cash and checks in front of the pulpit i did not ask them to do this they did it spontaneously and after a few minutes it was all said and done there was thirty thousand dollars in checks and cashes cash and checks and pledges for more than that. And when we actually received the offering the next Sunday, it totaled approximately $80,000. So we more than exceeded the goal. But it started with one person who said, God, I want to do what you say. I want to change the world. I want to make a difference. You know, it reminded me of being in Africa a few years ago, I've had the chance to travel different parts of the world. And one of the opportunities I had was to go on safari in East Africa. It's a fascinating experience. I've got a picture here. Uh, one particular day uh, in this time, we, we were there during the migration season. So migration is when thousands and thousands of wildebeests and zebras and animals move from uh, one part of the Africa to the greener pastures for grass and things like that. 
And so our guide that was there pulled us there. You can see in the picture, we're on this side of the river. And on the other side, you'll see, you know, you'll see the wildebeest there, but right behind them that my iPhone couldn't capture was this plain of thousands and thousands and thousands of wildebeest. By the way, one of the ugliest creatures God ever made. But that's another story. And so we're in our safari vehicle, everybody's got their cameras, everybody's got their pictures, because our tour guide told us that, he, that there have been people who have gone on safari for years and have never been able to witness a river crossing. And we potentially could witness a crossing of the river. So they were gonna leave the dry land over here to come to the green side over here. And so here we are waiting for them to cross, waiting for them to cross. And so you would have this herd of wildebeest that would gather, you know, and some of them are standing in the water, but they would just mill around, mill around. And like, they're gonna do it, they're gonna do it. And then they didn't do it. One would step out and they did step back. I'm like, man. Now the problem, why were they waiting on? Well, what you can't see in that picture, but we saw there were crocodiles in that river. You know, and it was dangerous to cross that river. And I'm a little bit ashamed to admit that a bunch of pastors, including myself, were rooting for a crocodile to eat one of those wildebeest. I'm sorry. Something came over. It's like, we want to see one of, yeah. So we waited and we waited and waited. Finally, one of those wildebeest just took a step and started walking across the river. It was an amazing thing to see because after that one took a step, then others began to follow. Pretty soon there were thousands, literally thousands crossing the river and they were, they were walking right beside us. Uh, it was so, such a powerful moment to see. I wanted to start singing the circle of life from the Lion King, you know? It was just, it was this amazing moment. One young animal took the first step into the river, and then a miraculous sight followed. Today, what if you started a miracle? What if you were the one to take the first step? What if you were the one to start a miracle in your life, in your family? in your business. Now, I'm not saying if you give to Kingdom Builders that all of a sudden God owes you a miracle in your life because how many know you can't buy miracles? God doesn't sell blessings. But I am saying that every miracle starts with a step of faith. And when one person takes a step of faith, it helps others to take steps of faith as well. And the potential of taking one step has the potential to create this avalanche of faith steps that can turn into a crossing, into new territory, into a new season, into greener pastures. Come on, somebody. Perhaps your step of faith and your obedience will be the catalyst to begin the change that you have wanted to see in so many areas of your life. Here's what I know. If you'll listen to the voice of God today about what he wants you to do in giving to kingdom builders, uh, and he will speak to you, and if you'll, if you'll do it, here's what I know, you'll never regret it. You'll never regret 
taking the step of faith that God invites you to take in your life. Now, by the way, the lady who started the miracle of the Los Angeles Dream Center offering died earlier this year. And uh, I preached her funeral. And so she, her family, and myself were rehearsing that day, that miracle offering story. Her husband, her name was Nancy. Her husband, Oscar, told me as we were meeting, she said, Pastor, when Nancy wrote the check that day, it was for $1,000. And she said, he said, we didn't have any money in the bank when she wrote the check. We wrote that check completely by faith. And he said, you know what? God provided that very week. Here's what I've learned when it comes to missions and lost people and kingdom builders. If I take care of God's business, he'll take care of mine. Can I say that again? If I take care of God's business, he's going to take care of mine. Now, as you decide what you're going to do today, let me just encourage you and remind you that giving uh, to missions is a great investment. When you, when you talk about ROI, return on investment, Assemblies of God World Missions, AGWM is one of the best investments you can make. I had the privilege of being on the board of Assemblies of God World Missions, and I can tell you that everything is done well, everything is done efficiently, everything is done with integrity, and here are the results. Did you know that every 62 seconds in the Assemblies of God Worldwide Outreach, every 62 seconds, one believer is added to the church? So that means by the time this service is over, there have been, what, almost 100 people giving their hearts to Jesus around the world. Every 60 minutes, one new minister is, is enlisted. Every 1.3 hours, a new church is planted, and for every 31 cents given to Assemblies of God World Missions, one soul is saved. So when you give today, you can give confidently. You can give knowing that it's going to be used, and lost people are going to be in heaven as a result. Can I tell you that kingdom builders, I love your church's vision for the nations. I love your church's vision for the community, uh, for Dunkirk, for Hartford City, for this community. I love the fact that people understand that kingdom builders, the mission of God, it's not just over there, it's right here as well. But can I tell you that it's one of the best investments you can make with your time, your talent, and your treasure. I can tell you that the body of Christ is beautiful all around the world. The work of God is advancing all around the world. You're not going to hear about it on the news. You're not going to read about it on the headlines of most major internet sites. But can I tell you that God is working and God is moving. And, and, God is, and disciples are being made in some of the hardest places in the world. And God is confirming those things with signs and wonders following. And you know what? We get to be part of that last day harvest that is happening right now. Now, people are coming to Jesus, and lives are being changed, and eternity is being changed. And you get to lead the way. You get to be part of it. Everybody. Men, women, college students, high school students, middle school students, and kids. A few weeks ago, our church received a Kingdom Builder offering for Project Rescue. If you don't know about Project Rescue, a Project Rescue is an Assemblies of God effort to rescue trafficked women and their families. 
And so there was an opportunity to purchase a brothel in India and renovate it and turn it into a home for these women and their kids, uh, for them to be healed and counseled and saved and then equipped to do a vocation other than what they were trapped in doing. And so we presented the vision to our church and the church responded amazingly, but I was most amazed by a high school senior who gave $2,000 of his own money. So Kingdom Builders is not just for mom and dad, it's not just for grandma and grandpa, it's for everybody. Now before Pastor Kevin comes back, can I give you one more reason why I'm a Kingdom Builder? And and I, I think this is a very selfish reason. I want Jesus to return quickly. Anybody ready? I, I just assume this all be over. Sick and tired of being sick and tired, sick of dealing with stuff and things and difficulties. Jesus, can you just come back today? Well, look at what the Bible says. Matthew 24, verse 14. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to, there it is again, all the nations. And then the end will come. Would you bow your heads? Lord Jesus, thank you that we are on the right side of this equation. We're on the side of those who have heard the gospel. We're on the side of those who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior. But God, there are so many who are lost, 1.5 billion unreached around the world. And God, I'm so grateful for my salvation that I know that I owe the gospel to every other person in our community, in our world that doesn't know him. And so Holy Spirit, I'm praying today that you'll speak to us. Even, Even right now where you're at, would you say, Holy Spirit, speak to me about my part in Kingdom Builders this year. Speak to me, give me direction about what to do even how to do it. Give me direction. Speak to me, Lord. And God, if you'll speak to me, I'll obey. I'll do what you say. Because I want to make a difference in this world. In Jesus' name I pray.